Number ten of A Christmas Miscellany twenty eighteen by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Number ten A Little Boy and Santa Claus by Walter A. Dyer. Once upon a time there was a little boy who believed in Santa Claus. Why he thus believed he did not know. When one is a small boy, one finds it easier to believe in things than not. He did not inquire as to the reason for the good saint's existence. He did not wonder why Santa Claus should choose to be so generous on one particular day. Cause and effect were matters of small importance compared with the net results of sleds and Noah's arks. When Christmas morning came and the sunlight streaming in through frosted window panes woke the little boy, he made a dash for the mantel where his stocking was hung. There were the jumping jacks and the Christmas candy, just where he knew they would be, irrefutable evidence of the midnight visit of the good white saint. Faith in things not seen is in little danger, so long as the evidence of things hoped for fails us not. The whole situation suited the little boy, and he believed in Santa Claus. But he was a very inquisitive small boy, and though the bigger mystery of Santa Claus troubled him not at all, he was a bit perplexed by certain material details. He observed that there was no real fireplace in the house. A scientific turn of mind was his by inheritance, and forced him to pursue his investigations. At length he formulated the important question, how did Santa Claus get in? The grown-ups, uh, they were unusually clever for grown-ups, it seems, told him that Santa Claus could make himself very small at will, and came in through the drafts of the kitchen range after the fire went out. This proved a satisfactory solution of the problem for a time, as it did not occur to the small boy to inquire whether the grown-ups always allowed the fire to go out on the night before Christmas, though he was a bit puzzled as to how any saint, even a collapsible saint, could drag a large sled through a small stovepipe. Alas, the small boy was born in a scientific and materialistic age, and the spirit of investigation was upon him he could not let the matter drop he made an exhaustive study of it and one by one scented out the flaws in the argument he took notice of the hesitation of the women grown-ups in answering his questions and the false notes in the facetious remarks of the men grown-ups he observed the smile of patronizing superiority on his older sister's face he began to doubt and doubt is the beginning of knowledge before many years had passed, he had run the question down, and the grown-ups, finding themselves cornered, were forced to admit that there was no such thing as Santa Claus. I was that little boy. Ah, well I remember how it seemed that my heart would break when I learned the appalling truth. I left the unsympathetic company of obtuse grown-ups, and threw myself down on the sofa in another room, and turning my face to the wall, I wept bitterly. I had lost something that day that can never be replaced. I am not at all in sympathy with those who think it a sin to perpetuate what they are pleased to refer to as the Santa Claus lie. Personally, I must confess to a feeling of smallness and awe when I stand before a child who honestly believes in Santa Claus, and yet I fear that his hold upon us is weakening. The age of fable has passed. Must old St. Nicholas go, too? This growing scorn for delightful unrealities gives me some concern, 
for it is an indication of a psychological change in the human race that i do not like to contemplate one by one the myths of childhood vanish bogeymen and fairy godmothers gradually lose their power over us one by one the myths of man depart and pan lies low beneath our hurrying feet we have put our faith in a god of gold and steel and phoebus no longer rides upon the sunset we are a practical people and we glory in it we waste not our energies in vain dreaming of things that may not be we have risen above that foolishness we are after tangible results and we get them but after all are tangible results all that the soul craves may we not be degenerating into mere men of prose and calculation how long will there be among us real children and real poets where now is the poet who can invent a myth or the child who can believe in one alice in wonderland i believe was the last great mythology even peter pan did not wholly convince us we have played jack horner with our earth said james russell lowell lamenting in his journal till there is never a plum left in it thereby implying i presume that each iconoclastic scientist saith in his stony heart lo what a brave boy am i the best of our poets have felt alarm at this systematic and progressive disillusioning of the world thus poe to science hast thou not dragged diana from her car and driven the hamadryad from the wood to seek a shelter in some happier star hast thou not torn the naiad from the flood the elfin from the green grass and from me the summer dream beneath the tamarind tree and thus wordsworth i'd rather be a pagan suckled in a creed outworn so might i standing on this pleasant lea have glimpses that would make me less forlorn have sight of proteus rising from the sea or hear old triton blow his wreathed horn it is not the disbelief in these old myths that brings pain it is the destruction of belief the breaking down of the idols it may be fun but it is short-sighted and silly i believe i would sooner perjure myself than be the one to tell a child that there is no such thing as santa claus and if your brother believes in the power of prayer you are a knave if you attempt to shatter his faith this iconoclasm has gone far enough let us build us new idols if we can at least let us destroy no more old ones and speaking of christmas has it ever occurred to you that we may perhaps be doing ourselves and posterity immeasurable injury by forgetting the beauty of the story that the day is supposed to commemorate but we cannot hope to rebuild the faith of the world in myth and fairy lore the day of miracles has passed people don't read poetry any more people don't pray any more this is the age of specialization and those of us who want our souls to grow must fight always against the tendency of our lives to narrow down to a single channel for every man there lies a rut ready to receive him this is the trend of the times and it will take patience and much united energy to combat it the task may be too big for us but we may be able to do something to prevent our own lives from becoming entirely hardened and that is what makes this thing worth talking about the most materialistic old curmudgeon of us all sometimes looks back with regretful longing toward the fresh unspoiled unsophisticated wondering days of childhood 
indeed i fancy that some of our modern men and women have reason to indulge in some of this regretful retrospection from about the age of twelve we envy our earlier selves and we regret the loss of those very things that we have struggled so valiantly to grow away from what is it that makes childhood so alluring what is it in the old memories that haunts us why is it that those halcyon hours come never more we have been growing old too fast we have been losing that freshness of interest in all things that mental alertness that made us as children that made earlier people so different from what we are now until we regain by an effort of the will somewhat of this childlike spirit we shall continue to plod along with half of our minds working overtime and the other half asleep for one thing we live too much in cities these days cities are manufactured out of material ingredients their steel and concrete lives enchain our souls myths were never born in cities but in groves and by the sea it is there that the imagination is stimulated there is no such thing as pan in wall street do you remember how you used to lie awake after they had put you to bed and weave romances about yourself do you remember the countless indians you slew when you were a little boy or the fairy princes that came to woo you when you were a little girl now when you lie awake at nights you think of business don't you have you ever made an effort to do otherwise have you ever tried to put that part of your mind to sleep by waking up the other part the old child part that knew how to pretend i have and i tell you it pays i have learned to turn my mind deliberately to a dream i have of a farm in massachusetts where i and one other stand amid our blossoming apple trees and survey the land that is ours the sound of a cowbell is blown faintly from over the hill above which fleecy clouds are lazily drifting our dog is dashing madly about the stone wall on the fancied scent of a woodchuck our chickens are busying themselves about their manifold duties our neighbor jones is driving by to town and is waving a salute with his whip our farmhouse nestles beneath its lofty elms the picture of content oh it pays to dream of it when the day's work is done whether there be any substance to the dream or not i don't believe there is one of us so steeped in the cares of middle age that we cannot break the chains if we will if we will that's the point most of us don't even think about doing it we know that something is wrong with our lives but we don't stop to study out what it is but if we will only stop to consider we shall see that it is possible to make our lives richer by training our minds to be more elastic and our imaginations livelier the desk-ridden man of fifty whose joints are growing stiff and whose circulation is becoming defective can renew his youth and limber up marvellously by a persistent application of the golf cure he can do the same with his mind if he will for after all this is a life of illusions only now we have substituted middle-aged illusions for those of childhood your idea of your own importance is an illusion your idea of the importance of your work is another your monday morning blues are as much the result of illusion as was your saturday morning ecstasy some thirty or forty years ago oh those happy days of childhood when we believed in santa claus let them come once more once more 
let us relearn the art of playing let us relearn the art of imagining let us regain a little of the old simplicity we moved our household a little while ago and as we overhauled our possessions we came upon many things that awakened memories there were presents that we gave and received on christmases gone by there were humble gifts of the days when the pennies meant even more than they do now gifts that meant sacrifice for love gifts that fell far short of what we wished we could afford they were the best we could do i wonder what it was about those old christmas presents that made the tears come i fancy it was the awakened memory of a time when everything meant so much and was so tremendously appreciated and then and there we registered a prayer that we might never become so rich that christmas presents would no longer mean sacrifice it is that simplicity of mind that appreciativeness of the good that comes that makes us love mrs wiggs and the five little peppers and if the day should ever come when that spirit has departed from our christmases it will be a sadder day a thousand times than the one on which i lost my santa claus end of a little boy and santa claus by walter a dyer